0: Edition of Revisionist Gristery, a podcast series under the Core 4 under the Grizzly Bear Blues Podcast Network that you can find on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Megaphone, iHeartRadio, or wherever you find your podcast. Grizzly Bear Blues is a blog under SB Nation. Find it on the web at grizzlybearblues.com or on Twitter at SB and Grizzlies. I'm your host, Parker Fleming, and with me today is my good friend. The producer of the Giannato and Jeffrey Show every day on ninety two nine ESPN from two to four. Connor Dunning, Connor, what's going on, man?
1: Hello, sir. How are you? Just another day in quarantine, trying to get through, missing the NBA every single day.
0: Yeah, I miss the NBA every single day too. I just found out on two K on the my team they're doing uh, spotlight sim challenges. And you could do like a bunch of quick challenges and accumulate like high 90 overall uh, my team cards. And one of them is a like 95 or 96 overall Brandon Clark. So you best believe I'm going to be on there.
1: Oh my God, that sounds amazing.
0: Yes. So um, Connor, you were the perfect guest for this topic that we're going to talk about today. Because he is one of your favorite non-Grizzlies and he's probably my favorite non-Grizzly. And we're going to talk about Luka Doncic in the 2018 draft.
1: Ooh. Oh, man. So many what-ifs. Like, dude, in Grizzlies history, the 2018 draft will go down as one of the biggest what-ifs and, and course corrections ever. It's, I'm very excited for this conversation. I'm very excited for it.
0: Oh, absolutely. And when I was doing some research on this uh, podcast— There, Like you said, there are so many what-ifs and there are so many scenarios that were talked about that could have happened that could have derailed this Grizzlies franchise uh, past the core four era into an area of uncertainty. Unlike the more certainty and more excitement that we have right now with Jaron Jackson Jr. and John Morant.
1: Right, right. And yeah, because the... I guess like the two the two big what ifs that were I guess more realistic for the Grizzlies in this situation were Jaron Jackson Jr. or Luka Doncic, but there is a path to where Mo Bamba ended up on the Grizzlies, or a Wendell Carter, or even a Colin Sexton, you know what I mean? So, or even Hray Young, if we want to talk about that. So it is, it's the Grizzlies got extremely lucky with what actually ended up happening, even though. It is kind of a bummer. If, if To be 100%, it's a little bit of a bummer what happened in this draft. But at the end of the day, I'm absolutely thrilled that we ended up with Jaron Jackson Jr. But how that happened is interesting.
0: Right. And to just kind of break everything down on what happened on draft night. So I was already kind of... At first, like going into draft week, I was riding high because everything I had seen was the Grizzlies are going to get Luka Doncic. And I remember being, I specifically remember where I was. I was at the gym and I got a woge bomb saying that the Hawks are looking to trade the third pick for teams that are looking to trade up for Luka. And I'm like, oh no. And I knew the Grizzlies couldn't trade up because the Grizzlies didn't have any future assets to trade because of that first round pick that we are Paying to Boston this year. Right. So I was just like, all right, this is probably just smoke. They'll still pick Jaron Jackson Jr. at three, and the Grizzlies will get Luca. He'll be fine. And just more that, un- and then really the uncertainty of that hit draft day. And so then at draft night, at the FedEx form, we get the alert that Luca Doncic is going to be selected third and then traded to Dallas, and the Grizzlies would probably pick Jaron Jackson Jr. And just when they announced Jaren Jackson Jr., just it almost was like the crowd didn't care. Right. And so I know why I was kind of meh on Jaren Jackson at first. And it was simple. I just saw his college production. I just saw 12 and five and a little under a block a game in about 20, 25 minutes. And I was like, ah, can this guy actually be an NBA contributor? And then meanwhile, I mean, my biggest loss to the draft is I had Martin Bagley at my number one, and oh yeah, and that, and that's just because I mean he was a twenty and twelve guy in college. I mean, right. and he was all doing that on one of the best teams in the country. So how can you not like that guy? You know? Yeah. Why were you low on ja- Jaron Jackson Jr. at first? Like, did you have well, a low point on him?
1: So, uh, yes and no. Like, I had a I. I never got as, I guess, bad as a lot of Grizzlies fans did with Jaron Jackson Jr. Now, I kind of had a, like a, had a cheat because I was listening to Eric talk about the NBA every single day and talk about these draft prospects. And, and being able to listen to him helped me form my opinion of Jaron Jackson Jr. So on draft night, I was actually a pretty big supporter of Jaron Jackson Jr. Um, I know we were sitting next to each other when they announced the pick. And I think I was – it was basically you and me had to convince everyone that we were around that, hey, no, this is actually going to turn out to be a great pick. This this works. Yeah, I know it's a bummer that we didn't get Luka Doncic, but uh, I guess the reasons, though, that Jaron Jackson, Jr., why people may have had question marks, I think that they're fair. Like you said, um, he only he only averaged 15-4 uh, and, and four at Michigan State. He had big-time foul troubles. He had the lowest – or one of the lowest win shares – of all the prospects in the top five that we could really look at. Um, When you put him up against a guy like a Mo Bamba or a Marvin Bagley, their stats are going to jump off the sheet a little bit more than Jaron Jackson Jr. But as we've grown to learn as Grizzlies fans, the gem of Jaron Jackson Jr. was that it was his versatility and it was how much of a raw talent he actually was. And as we've seen uh, coach Taylor Jenkins be able to do, he's starting to be able to mold, that gym and, and, and that rough prospect into what we're seeing. He's turning him into a three-point shooter. His footwork on the defensive end is unbelievable for his age. Uh, I mean, just his shot-blocking ability and his team chemistry, as we're seeing with John Morant and the players that he's playing with, has been fantastic. His basketball IQ is something that doesn't show up on a stat sheet. So let's be honest. NBA fans, we really don't start paying attention to college basketball prospects until it gets really kind of the tournament and closer to the draft right so Mm -hmm. all of us were trying to act like we were experts on this kid when in reality we'd only been watching tape for maybe two or three months on him and we didn't really know who he was as a player all we saw was he has foul trouble he doesn't score a whole bunch and and he doesn't rebound a lot and he's supposed to be the big man of the future so that's probably why Riz's fans had so many question marks about him but boy Did did, did we turn out to be wrong? And I'm, yes, it's a bummer we didn't get Luca, but getting Jaron Jackson Jr. in that draft, as you've seen, he could very well be the second best player in that draft. He really could be.
0: Oh, no, I 100% agree with you. And I think one of the things that turned me around was, I remember I did research on Jaron Jackson Jr. I actually wrote a column on him about the Monday after the draft and just how he was going to be the bridge to that new era, just because he does slide in so perfectly with Mike Conley and Mark Saul at the time. Right. And his per 100 possession numbers lined up with Anthony Davis, Carl Anthony Towns, Joel Embiid, Miles Turner, and like Mo Bamba, like you mentioned, and just goes to show you that I don't think he was given an, enough time at Michigan state. I mean, I think what Tom Ezzo did oh, he with was, him he was, was, yeah, Tom an was an, an abomination.
1: Him. Yeah, horribly. Horribly misused, yeah.
0: And I also saw that, like, a lot of those guys, you know, like Davis, Towns, and Embiid, and Turner, is they were a lot like Jaren where they weren't really allowed to release their full full arsenal. I mean, shoot, Cal Perry not using Towns as, like, this, like, stretch big that could – play on the perimeter and just stick him in the post. It was kind of like, dude, what are you doing? Like, can you, do you not realize this is like an actual unicorn and using correctly? Right. And I think the same thing happened with Jaren. That's when I really turned around on him.
1: Right. Yo, no, absolutely. And then another thing that helped me with Jaren is that I began to form this theory and I, I kind of stole it from the ringer a little bit, but I started to form this theory that Look at the kid's family and like but and if he if his parents are professional athletes, this kid's gonna come in ready. You know what I mean? His mindset's gonna be different. This new era of guys that we're getting, even if their parents aren't a former NBA player or Olympian or whatever. The blueprint that the LeBrons and the D-Wades and the the Mellows and all of that generation have left for these guys, they're all coming in so much more mature and so much more prepared. So, yeah, we looked at these stats and we were like, okay, 15 and four, a couple blocks a game, foul trouble, but what can he really do? Is is he going to have the work ethic, this, that, and the other thing? But what we didn't realize is that, yeah, he's going to come in and be one of the hardest workers on this team. And I, I didn't really think about it, but to your point again, him coming in and having a Marc Gasol there to teach him kind of the defensive, I guess, strategies that he has was is great. Like, because he had Marc Gasol for at least until the trade deadline for that season, and that had to rub off well on him. It really did. And it was also like kind of like a passing of the torch kind of thing. Like, you needed a guy that could live up to that, that could take that mantle and carry it until you get, like, a John Morant coming to help out or until some other guys emerge, like a Dylan Brooks. And it, let's say that it was a Marvin Bagley that we ended up getting, or, or even a Mo Bamba. That guy can't carry that torch. He's not ready yet. Jaron Jackson Jr. Mm. was prepared to do that because he came in and he knows how what the work ethic is to be successful in the NBA because he watched his dad do it. And I think that that's a huge part of his game is that he knew what it was going to take to be a superstar in, this NBA, in, in the NBA. He knew it was going to be – a task as soon as he stepped into those doors and he never ever took a day off it seems like I mean he gets better every single time we see him and I don't think that's a mistake yeah Taylor Jenkins deserves a ton of credit for his three-point shot blossoming all of a sudden but we have to give credit to Jaron Jackson Jr he's the one putting in the work and I just think the Grizzlies got extremely lucky man I mean I don't know what we would look like with Trey Young um, I don't think that we would be I think that we'd be kind of like the Hawks we would be We would have a future, but we still wouldn't really know what it is yet, you know?
0: Mm -hmm. I agree. So, to raise this question, if you had to be on the clock at 4 in 2018, knowing what you know now, especially with Trey Young being like a 29-8 and guy and an all-star in a second year, you would still take Jaron Jackson Jr., right?
1: I would still take Jaron Jackson Jr., yes. I still think – I think that Trey Young is going to be an all-star, as he already is, and he's going to be fantastic. And, and moving forward, he's going to be a team leader for Atlanta. But if I'm being completely honest, man, I think that Jaron Jackson Jr. has the has chance to be a better overall player than Trey Young, and I think he has a higher ceiling. And I think he can impact the game in more ways than Trey Young can, and especially when Jaron Jackson Jr. has emerged as our second guy and not our first heck yeah, I'm taking Jaren Jackson Jr.
0: I absolutely agree. And before we get over to Luca Talk, just because we were bringing up Trey, I remember there was a lot of of Grizzlies fans saying that the Grizzlies should have just taken Trey Young and messed up the trade. And they just would have had Jaren Jackson Jr. and been happy with him at five because that's who they really wanted at three for a while. They were torn between Jaren and Trey Young. Right. And so they just would have taken Jaren. So – I'm just validating that the, we're happy otherwise not taking Trey Young, right? Especially well, since
1: just, they have John Morant. Exactly, exactly. I mean, hindsight is 2020, of course. But, yeah, if, if you take Trey Young in that situation, you don't get John Morant. You just, you just don't. So I would rather have Jaron Jackson Jr. and John Morant than Trey Young and whomever. And just pick one that not names Zion or Ja. Like that would, that wouldn't be fun. That wouldn't, we wouldn't have the fun season that we just had if that's the route that we went. Also, you mess up the trade, you piss off a lot of people for no reason. For no reason. Like what, there's just mm-hmm. no reason to do that. There's no reason to piss off the Hawks like that. There's no reason to pick, piss off the Mavericks like that. It would be, it would be petty in the moment, it would feel good in the moment. But in the long run, it would screw you, and it would actually be detrimental in the long run. So the Grizzlies did, did well by just not letting – by just letting it happen and taking Jaren Jackson Jr. They did the smart move.
0: Mm-hmm. And before they move on to Luca Talk, I do want to say that I think out of all the guys available on the board, and even if you consider like Aiton and Bagley, I think Jaren's probably the best fit with this culture. Because he kind of has that outgoing, fun-loving personality, even like kind of so much like a Zach and Tony, but also too like when it was time to take the Ford, it was serious. And yeah. um, I just think the city has embraced him, and I I just don't know if the city would have embraced like Luca or Trey Young, or even like Bagley right. or Eight in the same way. I mean, knowing. Right. I mean, even knowing what we know now, even knowing that Luca might be like white European LeBron, with James Harden's athleticism, like
1: right. And, and you meant to say you meant to say European Larry Bird. I'm am Yes, to yes. My bad. That, my right? bad. Yes, yeah, European yeah. Larry Bird. But no, it's, I'm with you. I think that Jaren's personality really does fit uh, fit the city very well. I mean. We know a huge red flag of DeAndre Ayton coming into the draft was that he was already talking about his max contract and the next contract he wants to sign. So I don't think he would have jailed well with the city. Uh, Trey Young, I think may have, but I don't know. He's, he's, <laughs> it's, let's be honest. Trey's a little weird, man. He's a little weird. Like his, his thirst trap post on like, on Twitter it's and odd. Instagram yeah. for the ladies. It's just weird. Like, I don't know if we could have our number one dude be in that, you know? And, like, so I, I, I'm with you. I think that there's also a thing in Memphis, too, about these young guys that come in. Memphis likes to have that relationship to where we feel like that we watch these guys grow up. If you think about all the giant sports figures in Memphis, I mean, I just – I actually, today we released a bracket on 1990 espncom about the Memphis sports icons. And most of those guys on that bracket were guys that came to the city of Memphis young and that the city watched grow up and that, and they felt like they could grow up with them and that they built a relationship with them. So I think that Jaron coming in so young and really embracing the city and the city embracing him during this passing of the torch moment between eras was important. And he does seem like the type of dude with the temperament to, to carry that, that torch. So yeah, I'm hundred percent with you on that front.
0: Mm-hmm. So now the big Shabam, what if Luca, what if Luca <sighs> was the guy at four? Well, like seriously, I mean, as we know right now, he's a certified like, – he's a fide top 10 player. He's going to get an MVP recognition this year. I mean, I don't think he's beating Giannis or LeBron or even James Harden, but he's already he up in that conversation.
1: Hurt, if he hadn't gotten hurt, he would have – I think he would have been in like the top three or four.
0: Right, and just – that's still amazing considering that this is his second season and he's only 21 years old and he's already among – the league's elite as far as MVP conversation goes. Um, yeah, just that's a really big what if. And it's one that it's hard. I know it's hard for you because you're a big fan. But, I mean, that's like my favorite non-Grizzly. That's, that's a guy I was monitoring from like September before the draft. I was like, I would love the Grizzlies to get Luka Doncic, but we probably won't suck enough to get him. Right. And sure enough. They did because of my colleague's injury. But I actually probably did him a disservice on my Grizzly Bear Blues draft profile because I was trying to be conservative. And I gave his floor or ceiling as Gordon Hayward, his realistic um, comparison as like a 6'8 Rubio, and his floor as Mike Miller. But that's just because I didn't know how he was going to translate to the NBA. I saw his three-point percentage but I saw highlights. And if I went by just highlights, I would have been I'm kind of like what you always say. He would be Larry bird, but right. it's just so tough because obviously, I mean, I didn't want to be like, Oh yeah, I like him cause he's white because
1: not, <laughs> that's not it. That's not it. I think he's actually so really brand. freaking good. So on brand for Parker Fleming. So on brand, but no, it's, yeah, dude, I'm 100% with you. And let's be honest, it's there is an elephant in the room when we're talking about Luca and his and his, and what we thought of him before the draft. Anyone that says that they didn't have a non-NBA or college bias is lying. They are completely lying. People looked at Luca differently because he played in Europe. Let's just get that out of the way. That's a huge thing that you had to get past. It took me a little bit to get past it because you see these highlights and then you're like oh well, okay well it's, it's it's in Spain and then like this, that, and the other thing. but then, when you really dive into what those leagues are it's the second best basketball league in the entire world, and he was dominating it from the age of sixteen and he was playing full seasons he was playing full seasons in full tournaments, so he was he had the he had the miles on him like he was used to it, he was used to the physicality because whether you like whether it's in the US or it's in Spain, it's still grown ass men that he's playing. So uh yeah, it's I, I completely understand how some people were hesitant on Luca. I happen to be higher on him from the jump because I tend to get really excited about players and sometimes I can be a little, I don't know, hyperbolic when I talk talk about some guys, but it's because I get excited about them and I'm so positive about them and I want them to turn out well. And so that's one of the reasons I was so high on Luca from the start. I mean, I think that there is a, there is a mock draft that we did with GBB where I took over the Celtics and I flipped Jalen Brown for Luka Doncic in the draft because because I wanted him that bad. And I'm pretty sure I called him Larry Bird in that, in that mock draft. So I've been high on Luka from the start. Um, Yeah. And he was really close to being a grizzly, like very close to being a grizzly. Basically what happened was is that, A few days before the draft, or some even say on draft day, the Hawks were committed to taking Jaron Jackson Jr. They were going to take Jaron. Luka was going to fall to four, and he was going to be one of the biggest draft steals in NBA history to the Memphis Grizzlies. Until the Hawks' owner decided that Jaron Jackson Jr. was not going to put butts in seats. And let's be honest, Jaron's an unbelievable player, but Trey Young was the sexier player. He called his front mm-hmm. office, and he said, hey, I know y'all want Jaron. Sucks. Y'all are taking Trey Young. You got to figure it out. So they were like, okay, we're going to take Trey. Let's call around. Maybe see if someone wants to trade up, see if they can take Luca." So they called around. Boom. Maverick said, hey, we'll give you a 2019 first-round pick and the fifth pick if you let us try, trade up the three to get Luca. Y'all can get Trey. Boom. Happened the Grizzlies were basically 24 hours away from having Luka Doncic. And so it you can, they, the stories are everywhere. I think Bill Simmons has talked about it on his podcast, how close the Grizz, Grizzlies got to Luka Doncic. It was really close, like very close to where it was so close. I had a graphic built for Luka Doncic for 929. That's how, that's how close it was. Um, I had a Jaren Jackson Jr. one too, but I also, but I had a Luka Doncic one. So, uh, going into the draft that night when I walked into the FedEx forum, I thought that we were getting adoption. I really did. And uh, that's what happened. It's just the Hawks owner didn't really make a basketball decision. He made more of a business decision. He thought that he thought that Trey would fit the culture more of it, fit the culture better in Atlanta. And he thought that he would put butts in seats more because at that time, the Hawks needed butts and seats a lot more than the Grizzlies needed butts and seats. And that's why he went with Trey Young. So, that's how close they were I know Parker when I told you that it about shattered your heart it hurt my heart every time I think about it it hurts my heart but again we still ended up with Jaron Jackson Jr. we still ended up with what I believe is a future NBA all-star and a unicorn of the NBA and I think a future top 25 guy in the league probably so Uh, it's I think
0: top 15
1: yeah I mean I'm I'm there with you man I'm I, if you want to go there, I'm. I'll be there with you because let's be honest, dude's dropping forty, like he dro- dropping forty. He, he's getting two, like two point three blocks a game. He needs to work on his rebounding a little bit, but he'll get there. He'll get there. He'll put on some size. He still can't buy a drink legally. He's he's awesome. Like Jaron Jackson Jr. is awesome. So yeah, the Grizzlies were that close to Luka Doncic, and now that what if is fun. So let's get into the, the what if of what if we did draft Luka Doncic. What do you think that that season looks like, Parker?
0: Oddly enough, I think it looks the same, just because I think one thing that we saw a lot with JB Bickerstaff was that he was wanting to ease Jaron Jackson Jr. in. And that even included him starting behind Jamaica Green on opening night. Mm -hmm. And I don't think it would have gone to that extreme, but if JB Bickerstaff decided to start Luca off the bench, I wouldn't have been surprised. I would anticipate many, many nights where I'm pissed off wondering why J.B. Bickerstaff has Garrett Temple in the game and not Luka Doncic. I don't think they would have been ready to hand over the keys to Luka yet either. Like, kind of like how yeah. Dallas – because, I mean, Dallas literally flipped that entire starting lineup. Granted, they got Kristaps Porzingis, but they're – main goal was to build around Luka. I don't think the Grizzlies would have been that committed.
1: Yeah, Granted, well, they, they, probably would have, yeah Dallas didn't know that the Knicks were going to be dumbasses too when they drafted Luka. Like, they didn't know that was coming, so yeah.
0: Right, and maybe they could have won a few more games just because Luka did have a historic rookie season. Granted, I think it's an entirely different system that Grizzlies team last year played at a – Molasses pl- pace. They didn't shoot a lot of threes. They would have had Luca off ball a lot because Mike Conley is their point guard. I mean, right. Even and if you think I'm wrong with that, I mean, look at what they did with Kyle Anderson. They didn't really utilize Kyle Anderson as a point forward almost until like January, and then he got hurt. So I I don't think the season would have been much different. I think they could have probably stolen a few more games because. I don't think Jaron Jackson Jr. played after the All-Star break. He had an injury that uh, it was just quads. Obviously, they are cautious about that just because we just saw Kawhi Leonard have a quad injury that kind of just got him out for the season. So, Yeah, I don't think it would have been much different. I don't think they would have gotten the two-pick, though.
1: Yeah. Oh, no. I don't think they would have gotten the two-pick. I think with Luka, they either win their – yeah, they would probably win their way out of – out of that pick, so I guess my next question for you is that, let's say that, let's say that uh, I don't know, like with Luca, do you think they win enough games for JB Bickerstaff not to be fired, and and for Chris Wallace not to be demoted, and for them not to trade Mike Conley, or for them not to trade Marcus Ald, or to wait to trade Mike Conley and Marcus all until a later date. Do you think that they may have had a shot at the playoffs if Mark never got hurt? Like, do you think that those things were in play or do you think that kind of even with Luca in there that because of the system and the way that he would have been used and the focus still being on Mike and Mark, that he wouldn't have been able to have enough of an, of an impact, I guess, to save those guys and to, and to make the playoffs and to convey the pick. Do you think that that's how that would have gone or do you think it would have just been kind of, what we saw with Jaron, but maybe a little bit more like you just said
0: um like I, i think it's just still would have been the same i don't remember uh mark or mike going down um i do think also too another 30 to 40 win season um with no playoffs i think they still would have gone through with it okay i mean you for like i I think one thing that's kind of clouded in that question is this the animosity that the fan base had towards Chris Wallace. Right. And that was even with Jaron Jackson Jr. being a good pick. Like there was still that animosity towards Chris Wallace. And I think I think they would have pulled the plug still and made the moves that they did. Now it it would have been fun to see Taylor Jenkins use Luca to be kind of like the Giannis of that system. So that that's that's where I'm at with your question, and I guess uh, one question I want to throw at you, just because you actually texted me this earlier, is obviously we said they they wouldn't have the second pick. Do you think they would have conveyed, and if they didn't convey, or if they traded it back into the draft with the Mike Conley trade, who do you think they get?
1: Okay, so with Luca. I am of the belief that they would have won enough games to convey the pick outright. Um, but I think that they would have used either a Mark Gasol or a Mike Conley trade to get a pick in that draft. And I think they would have taken Brandon Clark. I really do. Because it really does seem like from everything that we've read and listened to and, and just from draft night, that they were super high on Brandon Clark that they thought he would be a good fit. And if you already had your kind of John Morant player in Luka Doncic, you would need your Jaron Jackson Jr. in Brandon Clark. So I think that it would have been a nice fit. I think that they would have looked at that draft and said, okay, this is a little bit of a weaker draft. What's a position that we need to fill? We need a a big man in the future. Hey, Brandon Clark looks like a great guy to pick, and I think they would have snagged him. I really do. So I think that Brandon Clark and Luka Doncic could have been an outcome. Uh, that would have been exciting. That would have been a ton of fun. But That
0: would have been so, would, so much fun.
1: I would still argue, though, that Ja and Jaren with Brandon Clark is better than just Luca and Brandon Clark, which I guess, just by the laws of there's two versus three, duh.
0: Oh, yeah. I, I definitely agree with you there. And also, too, I mean, we don't have enough time to go through that much specifics around it. I think the... The uh, landscape of that Conley trade would have I don't think the Gasol trade would have been any different I think I think actually what could have happened was you're looking at this season with either DeLon Wright or Tyus Jones as your starting point guard instead of John Moran as they would operate as Luca being that point forward similar to like LeBron and Giannis Um, but I don't and I do think that Mike Conley trade would have been different. Maybe they would have held on to Mike Conley, or maybe they would have tried to trade for a point guard. It could have been one of those things. They had a stopgap year and got someone like Reggie Jackson and then Detroit's 15th pick. I don't know. Something like that.
1: Mm-hmm. I, mean, I, think, I just think everything Rubio? would
0: – They could have gone after Rubio and free agency as well, yes. But then again, I, I don't think his shooting really fits in well with Luca.
1: Right. You know, I said it, it would have been interesting. Like, it's the team with Luca and Brandon Clark, as I guess the new core with Dylan Brooks is very different looking from the core that we have now. So it's weird, man. Like, when we go back and we look at it, I guess your initial reaction is, man, like, we were that close to Luca. How great would it have been to have Luca? And then, though, when you really think about it and you really dive into it, you're like, it worked out for the best. It worked out exactly how I would have wanted it to work out if I could do it over again. If I could do it all over again and I had control over who the Grizzlies got, I'm still going Jaron Jackson Jr. because I know that that still leads to John Rant and that still leads to Brandon Clark and that still leads to Taylor Jenkins and it still leads to King Climbing. So that's the route I would have wanted to take. All
0: right, Connor. So to close the show, I do want to kind of go through some nightmare scenarios that were realistic possibilities Okay. And so I did some deep diving and trying to find the last mock drafts before that draft. And so I want to start with this one because it's probably the absolute worst and ESPN, they did their grade a mock draft with what would be an a pick at certain picks. And granted at this point, I think, um, Aiton Doncic, and Jackson were all off the board and they had us picking, they had the Grizzlies picking Bamba.
1: Yeah. Yikes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It would have been cool because we would have had a song to play every single time he was introed and did something. It would have been super not cool because he's not anywhere close to being Jaron Jackson Jr.'s level, man. Like no. that would have been, it would have been tough because he's, Mo is going to be a good player, I think, but I don't think he's ever going to reach like all-star type of levels. Um, and there's a lot to be desired when you watch Mo Bamba. I mean, it seems like he didn't make a huge jump between year one and two. He's had some injury problems, but I don't know. Like I feel like some of that three point shooting videos he released right before the draft made some people fall in love with him. It tricked me. I had, I have a tweet out there somewhere that says, Hey, like if <laughs> I wouldn't mind him at four, and that's an, that's an opinion now that I do not, I, I put no water in that opinion whatsoever. Now I, Obama would have not been good in Memphis. He just would not have been good.
0: Oh, I agree. And I do think he's kind of gotten a bad rap so far because the Orlando Magic have been persistent on playing Nikola Vucevic and keeping him after he had an all-star season last year and then led them to the playoffs. And just really, they won, they lost in like, what, five games?
1: Yeah. So well, they have And they're just satisfied
0: men. with that. Yeah, they're satisfied with that. I mean, really – Bamba wasn't the pick for them then, and he probably is in the pick for them now. And no,
1: if, the the pick that they probably should have gone it gone with with hindsight is, is is SGA.
0: Yeah, you read my mind there. I definitely agree that they should have just gone with SGA. Um, I mean. Honestly, you look at it, you're like, how how did he fall to I think he's like eleven? Yeah, how did he fall <laughs> to eleven?
1: I don't know how he fell to eleven, and I don't know how the Clippers traded him. But that's a whole that's a whole different discussion. That's a different that's a whole different different discussion.
0: Thing. Yeah. So uh, nightmare scenario number two. This isn't a mock draft. Oh, I will say before this nightmare scenario, NBA.com Mott draft. They had uh, the Grizzlies picking Trey Young yet four. So that was that's like kind of exciting, you know, because yeah
1: it's not that's not a nightmare scenario at all. Like that's just a that's just a we're the, the Atlanta Hawks right now. That's just all that is.
0: Yeah, true. I like that. And so um I do this is one that's kind of touchy. Um but CBS sport specifically Gary Parrish had yeah. uh them taking Michael Porter Jr. at four. Mm-hmm. And so here's my thing. I, like, I actually, I don't disagree with that pick. Like I would have, there would have been different circumstances. I would have been okay and not okay with Porter Jr. Um, this isn't any knock on his talent and it's not any knock on GP's talent evaluation. It's just more the situation because mm-hmm. I think if it would have been one of those things where let's say there would have been a G and G era where Mike Conley and Zach Randolph went down and the Grizzlies found themselves at four and Michael Porter Jr. was there, you can afford that because it's like, okay, we get the core four back, we're back to being a 50-win team, we can ease this guy in. And he's around the core four. Whereas the Grizzlies, they needed that draft pick to be their third guy immediately. And Michael Porter Jr. wasn't going to be that.
1: Right. No, I agree with that. So let me ask you a question though. In that mock draft, I'm assuming he has Luca already off the board.
0: Correct. Yeah, had Luca at
1: three. Okay. So I would not have hated that in the moment. I would not have hated that in the moment. And to be honest right now, I may not hate it either, depending on how Michael Porter Jr. was this season with the Grizzlies. Um, it would have been a risk that I think I would have understood the risk at that time because you're moving out of an era. You're moving out of a historic era for your franchise. Literally the most success you've ever had, the most beloved era you've ever had. You have to take swings. I mean, them taking Jaron Jackson Jr., what Jr. was them kind of taking a swing. Them taking John Morant was them taking a swing. So I think they would have taken a swing there at Michael Porter jr. If they did, I don't think I would have hated it. I think I would have been not super excited about it, but I would have understood it. Um, Also, I do want to make
0: a, I do want to make a, sorry to cut you off. I want to make a correction. It was actually Matt Norlander. So sorry, GP. It was Matt Norlander and Luca was off the board at three.
1: Okay. Okay. Either way. Yeah. My reasoning wouldn't change. Yeah. Um, Either way, I still have the same thoughts. Um, I do think that there's still a pathway, too, of getting John Morant with Michael Porter Jr., which would have been a ton of fun, because if Michael Porter Jr. wasn't playing, he would have kind of, I mean, the Grizzlies would have still kind of bottomed out there at the end, and they still would have been around that lottery area and had a chance to get one of the top two picks. So that could have been fun. So not a nightmare scenario, but more of like a crazy question mark scenario, I guess, where you can't really look at it with hindsight and really know where it would have gone.
0: Right. I definitely agree there. Um, because he fits the prototype of what the Grizzlies have needed for literally the past, what, a wing? six, seven years?
1: Uh, since, good God, forever, It's it feels like.
0: Right. So it would have been interesting. I I don't know how they how Memphis would have reacted when they announced that he was gonna have to have back surgery before the season and he would have had to miss most of the season. I think I mean that would have done me dirty. I would have been pissed.
1: That would have freaked people out. That that would have really freaked people out. It would have been we would have had to deal with like bus talks for a while. It would, have, it would have been a frustrating season for people working or like in talking about the Grizzlies. It would have been extremely frustrating, I can tell you that. So it would have, it would have been a nightmare scenario, I guess, for us. But not necessarily right. the team.
0: Yeah, I definitely agree. And so the one last nightmare scenario I want to talk about, and it's not necessarily the draft pick. It's more so the decision with the draft pick. So there was talks of the Grizzlies using that pick, to get off Chandler Parsons contract. And obviously we know how bad the contract was. That's a whole nother revisionist history to be honest, but they were going to trade down and pick Wendell Carter. Mm -hmm. It was either going to be one of those things they would attach the pick to Parsons or they were going to trade down, pick Carter and acquire one more asset. So that probably would have been another pick in the 20s because they were looking at trading with Chicago, who owned the 7th and the 22nd pick. And I, I looked back at the ESPN article that had the Chandler Parsons trade discussion, and one of the trades was Parsons and four to the Magic for the sixth pick in Bismack Biombo, And that's because the Yikes. Magic would give up Biombo but the Grizzlies declined because they wanted Fournier. Hmm.
1: Yeah. No, thank you. Would have made, yeah, I would have been, I think I was mad about that and I don't remember it too much talking about that. Um, But I, I do seem to remember me being like, why would we do this? This doesn't make any sense. If you have a chance to get a top four pick in an NBA draft, a good, it was a good draft too. I, I, Some people say that the 2018 draft wasn't amazing, but I think it was one of the best in a very, very long time. I'm talking about at the time. Hindsight has made the draft look, holy crap, really, really good. But, like, at the time, I was like, man, these guys are going to be really good. Like, it was pretty loaded. So it would have made no sense to me to trade down to get a worse version of Darren Jackson Jr. and Wendell Carter. That that just wouldn't have made any sense to me because – I do seem to remember that it was those two being compared to each other a whole bunch. And Wendell got a lot of talk in Memphis about with the Grizzlies. A lot of people were rooting for Wendell to be a Grizzly, But, man, he just – he just I don't know. He's kind of like a 75-cent Jaron Jackson Jr., if we're being honest. And if I'm being even more honest, I, would, I think Brandon Clark's still better than him. So that wouldn't have made much sense to me. It, it doesn't – it never makes sense to me to trade off of a contract when it's about to be over especially when you just, when you're giving up the better pick, it doesn't make any sense. Don't give up the best asset in the trade to get a worst asset. You know, that just doesn't, that doesn't compute to me. Right. Um,
0: I do actually have, this Mac
1: Biondo, blah, God. Yeah. One know. good playoff series.
0: Oh, I know. That's literally one of the worst contracts in basketball history. Oh, and so, so I do just want to like, I had something pop in my head the other day and because it was after this, like, Parsons trade-down thing and then also this other piece I'm working on on GBB, if the Grizzlies, let's say Mike Conley never got hurt and the Grizzlies would have kept doing what they're doing and made the playoffs, do you think then the Grizzlies would have used a pick in, let's say, late teens or 20s to attach that to Parsons so that they could pay Tyreek Evans?
1: Uh, No, I don't. I, I think they may have thought about, it, but I don't think so now. I don't I don't I think that Tyreek for some reason had like a weird thing going on with the front office here. So I think that that relationship was kinda of over with from the start. So I don't I think it would have been a good idea. Um or not a, it would have been a good idea at the time, but no, I don't think it would have happened.
0: Fair enough. All right, so I just wanted to break that down because the Grizzlies Fans were used to nightmare scenarios throughout its draft <laughs> history. <laughs> I
1: know, from, the drafts are like an anomaly.
0: Right. So, like, we went from, you know, talking about how bad the Grizzlies are drafting. I mean, specifically, you know, the Hashinda Beat draft. Um, drafting Tony Roten over Draymond Green. Um, the whole 2016 draft is another different discussion. And then...
1: Adams now, over, uh Adams. Oh God. Adams over. Adams over Hood. His name. Hood.
0: Yeah. Hood. Yeah. So the, and then Stokes over Jokic. I mean, the Grizzlies were just used oh, to that. like God. crap.
1: Oh, we just found out about that one too. Yeah. <laughs> Hollinger, man, just, you don't got to tell us that stuff. Like, come on. Right. That's,
0: that's what I was saying. So, <laughs> you know, you know, it's nice every now and then to where you can look back on the nightmare scenarios. Like, wow, that could have been us. But instead, us. but
1: instead,
0: the Grizzlies are just fine.
1: <laughs> instead, it's the Knicks, Sons, and the Kings. God, how much of the Kings mess up that draft, man? Ah,
0: yeah. oh, God. The, it, it's – some people just, like, stop being fans because of that.
1: <laughs> Shout out to Body Divac, baby!
0: I absolutely agree with you. So basically, it seems like we used this podcast to just talk everybody out of the whole man, could have had Luca, could have had Trey. I don't think that's as loud as it used to be, especially now that they have John Morant and that the Grizzlies are really good. But yeah.
1: Well, if anything, I hope that it, I think the one thing that I hope this podcast can debunk is that some fans are still out there like, Oh, they, they should have still messed up that trade. And that's just, it wasn't a, it wasn't a realistic possibility. It wasn't even a realistic option. Like I don't even think it crossed the minds of the Grizzlies front office to do that. I really don't.
0: Right. And so Connor, we're about running out of time here. Um, Do you want to tell the people where they can find you?
1: Yeah, uh go follow me on Twitter at C Dunning 929. Listen to Giannotto and Jeffrey every single day from 2 to 4 CT. Uh guys, we're we're still hanging on over there at 929. Uh we're doing our absolute best to bring you the facts and to keep y'all entertained during this really hard time. Um it's not easy on us. Like we we've had some tough days, but like we try to show up every single day and give y'all a good show and give you some positivity and try to take your minds off the of things. Uh every single day at 2:45, you can hear me giving movie recommendations and TV recommendations and just things that get your mind off of what's going on. Um, other than that, guys, all I can say is please stay safe. Uh, please continue to social, social, social distance. Um, praying for everybody out there wishing for the best. Just, we're going to get through this thing together. Just keep a positive mind, take it day by day. And if you ever feel down or like things are getting to you don't feel don't feel uh feel bad for reaching out i mean feel free to reach out to me my my dms are open on twitter reach out to me i mean i've had some things with mental health in my past and i can be there for you if you need to talk just don't be afraid to reach out it's a tough time for a lot of people and uh, we all got to be there for each other
0: Absolutely. I I echo everything Connor said. Stay safe and just don't hesitate to reach out. I mean, my DMs are open as well. And you can follow me on Twitter at Paka underscore Flocka. And be sure to tune in to both 92.9 and Good Severe Blues as we are looking to just give everybody some fun content to just get us through this tough time. And you can follow, like, subscribe on the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Megaphone, iHeartRadio, or wherever you find your podcast. And follow the Core 4 Podcast on Twitter at the Core 4 Podcast with the number four, not the word four. With that, we're done.